Welcome to the SUAS News Podcast Series, and I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and it looks like we've had a uh, change of guests as uh, the co-host and the guest didn't show up. Well, you know, that happens. I guess everybody's busy these days. Um, So I guess I'll change the title of this one, Um, and then just talk about some new information that came to light. And I don't know if anybody saw this, but the uh, DJI put out a what they're calling their DJI fly report. And um, pretty interesting. Uh, during the year, DJI users, this is what they're stating, and I haven't verified the information, but, you know, whatever. We'll take it at face value. Uh, during the year, uh, DJI users have taken off 76599 and 102 times. Um, with a total flight distance of uh, 73,685,139 kilometers, which is that's, that's a long ways, they uh, contend that it is equal to 192 trips around the moon, or to the moon, uh, which is, uh, that's quite a distance. Um and then on the boards, uh, talking to people, um, a lot of people suggest that they're not connected to the Internet, so this doesn't include everyone. And uh, so that would suggest that uh, the droners, and I haven't heard of any. Hey, Gene, how's it going? <laughs> Good, Patrick. I'll tell you about what was going on in a little bit. Go ahead. I'm, I'm liking your numbers. Go. Okay. Yeah, well, this was supposed to be the SS Jeremiah O'Brien uh, podcast, but I guess something happened. You know, whatever. And it gives me an opportunity to uh, talk about this uh, DJI fly report. And um, I don't know. Did you see it, Gene? Came across. I did. I, I like it. I, and I know where you're headed with this, so carry on. Yes. Um, so, you know, we, we've got uh, 192 trips to the moon, which is quite a distance. And I would uh, have to assume that it's going to take a little bit of time to get to the moon. I, I don't know how many hours it takes exactly. And, you know, I didn't do the math on all this. And I haven't talked to DJI, but I think I'm going to because really, as I, um, the more that I think about this, I really think that manned aviation or personned aviation or whatever they want to call it at this point is in trouble. Why are they in trouble? They are in trouble because they treated the drone community like a uh, redheaded stepchild or even worse. Um, as, as I know, you're, you're going to recall, and we're going to go down memory lane. But I, I haven't heard in the last year of any fatalities from, you know, let's say, the, the small uh, consumer-y type drones. Have you heard of anything? I have not heard of one. I mean, I, I, you know, you don't even really hear about any significant injuries, really. I mean, there, there's no. a few, you know, sprinkled in there from some commercial larger stuff, but um, not, yeah, not much. No, and... Um, you know, as I was, uh, and I'm looking for some, I am looking for uh, some stuff that I wrote down about this. And I've got, of course, you know, 15 different stories going, yada, yada, yada. We're also, uh, we are going to produce the uh, Small Unmanned 
Systems Business Expo Journal. Gene, if you want to submit an article, uh, yes. I would encourage you to do that. I'm already working on my article, and it's uh, turning into a book like it always does. <laughs> There's so much to say. But anyway, yeah. you know, um, so, you know, everybody, they're, they're saying, you know, uh, there are several points I want to make with this. But one of them is, is that people are saying, uh, you know, that this isn't all the DJI drones, that people aren't connected to uh, the Internet, their drones. Some are saying that they've, uh, they've opted out, um, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I don't know what the total numbers are. I don't know what the total number hours are. We don't know. You know, there are some some variables in there. But the bottom line is what I'm seeing from, let's say, a scratch of the surface, is 0.0 fatalities per 100,000 hours flown. And uh, that sure beats the pants off of rotary wing, which is 0.75 per 100,000 hours. And GA... And these are 20, uh, I want to say this is, tw- I think it's 2020 numbers, which we know flying was down because of the uh, COVID. Sure. Exactly. And that was 1.049 fatalities per 100,000 hours flown. Okay. So it would appear, uh, you know, to fair minded people that the drone thing turns out to be, you know, on a, level of magnitude safer than um, person aviation. And, uh, you know, this is a first blush thing. Again, like I said, I don't have all of the, uh, all of the numbers in front of me. So I mean, you saw this. What were your initial thoughts, Gene? Well, it, I'm like you. I was, uh, I was considering my, in my head, I'm thinking you got to figure at least 25% opted out. So that they wouldn't have to report. There's there's a lot of folks that take you know the thing about the whole backhauling to China and all that good stuff very seriously. So figure 25% on top of those numbers. And yeah, first blush is is that wow we've got we got data here. And you know we've we've heard that for so long. We need data. We need data. I, I heard that 15 years ago when we started talking about this. Yeah, and, and we're and, gonna go down memory lane on that one. Continue. <laughs> well, here's here's to me empirical proof. I mean, okay, so they can't say that it can be validated. Well, it's it's recorded, and it's recorded in the same format, and it's recorded without bias. So, okay, let's say you can't validate 50% of it. It's still one trip around the moon at 43 miles an hour. Well, yeah, and, and that's a long time. And, and really, I, I get what you're saying, and I thought the same thing. I mean, you could shoot all, you could say 90% of it, you know. You could go that far. 90%'s trash. And we're going with the 10%, and the numbers are still going to say, in the fatalities column, zero. Is it always zero going to be zero? Zero. And I don't think it'll always be zero. That's just, you know, the law of averages. And, you know, I've been on the planet here. And I've been on the planet. I've gone around the sun 55 times, okay? So I didn't get the 192 times to the moon, but I did do 55 <laughs> trips around the sun. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say that you have a problem. 
the other thing is, is you're, you're saying true, you know, and I understand this, you know, and, and again, you know, we're, we're going to try and be objective because, uh, you know, we, we understand how this thing works. So, you know, you're talking about this, well, I can't validate the data, but you know, you're a manned aviator and I'm going to ask you, um, have you ever filled out the GAATA survey? I have one time. Okay, and you've been flying for? Well, I got my policy. How many times around 18. the sun? No, no, no. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm happy if I make it down to the coast and back. Um, <laughs> zero times around the sun. Oh, oh, zero times around, oh, me around the sun. Oh, yeah, well, 66 now. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still a little closer to the 192 than you are, but uh, not by enough. But, uh, yeah, uh, once, maybe twice, I can't remember, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's been a number of years, right? So, and, and most people don't understand how this works, because even when I, uh, on the ARC, you know, tried to talk about how they came up with the safety of the NAS numbers, and, God, we could go down, uh, you know, we, we got so many in memory lanes, where it looks like we're going to have to get the V8, and because uh, we only have like, you know, I don't know how many minutes left, <laughs> probably 35. So we're going to have to, you know, jump in the 71 charger pedal to the metal and, and uh, to try and get all of this in. But quick overview of how the GATA, GAATA survey works. So you're a manned aviator and you've done this before. Would you like to explain this, Gene? Well, I mean, it sounds like you read up on it, and my memory is a little uh, uh, suspect at this point. I mean, it, it just to, I can't even remember what kind of questions they asked, you know, how many times you took off and landed, and, yeah, you yeah, know, whether yeah. you went into, you know, Echo, Bravo, Charlie, that sort of thing, which I never, ever go into Bravo or Charlie. So I'm really kind of a you're, pleasure flyer. So I, go ahead. You, you, yeah, you well, you kinda, you're doing the Sky King uh, flight. Deal, right? You like to fly VFR. Do you take yes. the dog? Does Gunny come with you? Yeah, well, he's taxied with me, but we haven't flown anywhere. But yes, I do fly it to searches when I can. You know, that's a whole part of my deal is being able to get to where I need to get to quickly and not have to worry about any of the TSA stuff and my batteries. I throw all my junk in the back two seats and I take off and I go. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm puddle jumping and, and uh, you know, having a good time up there dodging clouds. All right. Well, you know, and that's cool. So you are correct. The, the GAATA surveys, it's pretty light and airy. And what they do is they send it to you. And there's, I forget how many, uh, you know, the, the exact numbers, percentage of people that they send it to and whatever changed, have changed over the years. Since I first found out about this was back in, God, I think it was back in the art days. So it's probably been 11, 12 years, uh, maybe even a little longer because remember the FAA, we need data got to have data. Uh, we don't have any data and, you know, we're, we're skunked. And I asked uh, then Rick Prosek, who was the head of the UAPO, that's how long ago this is, now it's the UASIO, um, you know, the Unmanned Aircraft Program Office, which is funny too, they're going to have to change the name to the Uncrewed Aircraft Integration Program Office, which is Going to be kind of a it's going to be kind of a joke, you know the whole thing. Maybe oh, that's why it's taken. Well, that and maybe that's why it's taken so long. Is that the whole operation's uncrewed down there? I don't know. I'll have to ask. Um, but anyway, 
I digress. So it's about like it's a postcard, you know, folds out. There's a couple of questions. How many takeoffs, how many landings, blah, blah, blah. Right? Okay, great. Uh, do you have any mishaps, blah, blah, blah. Okay. You fill that out and you send it back. So it's only sent out to a small percentage of the flying public, right? And only even a smaller percentage of those surveys come back. And I don't know what, the, you know, it changes every year. So I can't tell you what it is. But that's what happens. Okay, then they say, all right, because, you know, uh, we, we, they can say, I think they say there's about 290,000 plus minus aircraft registered currently. And what we do is, you know, uh, Joe Bag of Donuts says he flew for, you know, he did this many takeoffs and landings and he flew for this many hours. It's all estimated. You don't even have to look at your logbooks. It's just all from memory. Okay. And then whatever that know those numbers are, you uh, times it times the two hundred and ninety thousand aircraft. Okay, mm, and, that's not fair. <laughs> and, well, whatever you know, this is all we got. And uh, they were supposed to tighten this up, but th- this is how they come up with you know the fatalities per hundred thousand hours. And they also use fuel sales and, and a couple of other uh, outliers to try and hone in on the numbers, but they will tell you themselves that they really don't have any idea. These are just estimates. And these are how the estimates are extrapolated. So what happens, God, you know, again, we got to, you know, speed this thing along. But what happens is, and you remember uh, this years ago, remember when they um, misplaced about 90,000 aircraft went missing? Do you, do you remember that? Had to be at least a decade ago now. Yeah. Okay, so what happened was is, Every so many years, there's a cyclical cycle, and what happens is um, the GA fatality numbers go up, and, you know, Congress finally comes in and says, you know, such as you get, you know, the unwashed masses on the ground, start clamoring, hey, man, this isn't that safe, okay, call the FAA, and you got to clean this mess up, oh, okay, but, you know, what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to come up with a program, we're going to come up with this program, and, and you know what gonna, we're going to call it? Um, and this happened, I think, back in the 70s. But it was the crew resource management and some more training. And uh, we're going to do that. And uh, what's going to happen is, is we're going to drill down on this and uh, we're going to make it safer. And we're going to try and uh, get, you know, 10 to the minus 6 out of GA. And when this happened during the drone thing, because remember they said, well, we don't have any data. I said, hey, well, you could use this GAATA survey, ask the same questions from the droners. They told me can't collect data from illegal operations. (laughs) But at the same time, they included 90,000 aircraft. What they did, instead of using, I think uh, aircraft registration is good for three years or something for GA aircraft. Is it still that way or do they do it every year now? Um, gosh, we just registered ours again. Ours again. Uh, I think it's uh, 24 months. Like, I don't, you know, I don't remember. Okay. Well, whatever the case, what they did is they went back and, and, and took the GATA survey and times it times all of the aircraft that had been registered in the last 10 years. And lo and behold, the safety numbers went way up. And, uh, okay, great. And then they got caught, uh, you know, and this was after, you know, the 9-11 thing and got that safety of the NAS and these drones that we're looking for, all the rest of that stuff. Well, 90,000 aircraft just went missing. Nobody knew where they were. Um, and, uh, you know, um, 
So it, it caused a little bit of a kerfluffle with the numbers and things like that. And they brought it, they had to bring it down and, and redo the numbers. And I think if you go back and you look at the safety numbers, they will reflect there's a year or two where the safety numbers will reflect that there's no data because they had to go back and throw that out and recrunch the numbers. So what's, that, what's, what's the punchline on that? The punchline is, is it's pretty loose and fast with the data collection for GA aircraft, right? So here we have something like you said, Gene, in the beginning that, you know, hey, well, this is what's reported takeoffs and landings. This is, this is objective. I'm not, you know, it'd be hard to fake this data. There, there could be, you know, some algorithm issues, but, you know, it, it would be hard to, let's say, fake the data. You could do it, whatever else. I don't know what the point of that would be. But whatever you want to, what, whatever, let's say, detractors you want to throw in there, you're still going back to the 0.0, .0 column. Would you agree or disagree with that? I would, I would agree. I mean, come on. It's, you're going to have to dig pretty hard to find somebody that got killed by a drone. Exactly. And, you know, um, there, you know, and I'm writing my article, as, as I mentioned, for the Business Journal. And, you know, Gary had brought up a good point that, you know, and Gary, you know, it's funny, as people uh, poke holes at the, the, the SUAS news people and affiliates, and, and, you know, Gary was an air traffic controller, he's a balloon pilot, he's a helicopter pilot. And even he said, you know, and he's, he's English, they won't hold that against him. But... <laughs> He, you know, maybe it's time to take a clean sheet of paper and, and look at aviation. And, and I would agree because in the 70s, you know, I mean, we've heard this deal where GA pilots and people have tried to come back to me or on me and say, oh, well, you know, the GA pilots have skin in the game. Um, and would you uh, – I, I, I think yeah, you get – we used that very same uh, statement many times in that there are drone guys out there that have just as much skin in the game with these high-dollar systems as does a person who goes out and buys a $15,000 Cessna 152. Right. Well, I'm, I'm talking, you know, their life's on the line or whatever. And, and maybe that was true in the old days, but now there's a population density on the ground that more people uh, – more people on the ground uh, are, let's say, unwilling participants to, uh, you know, mishaps in the NAS, okay? And, um, I, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, like, you know, bring out or put bad energy out there in the universe, but that is the reality, you know, of the situation. We just saw down there in uh, Southern California where uh, – uh, you know, business jet went into a UPS truck, and I had people on forums trying to say, well, you know, it was the visibility was low, and the guy came around, and he told him to turn on the lights. It's, that, that point is moot. Point is, is this guy in the UPS van is, is, is no longer with us, okay? So um, even, even the, uh, the drone deal, you know, again, like you said, serious, uh, uh, let's say injuries or whatever else, I don't know, you know, um, you're still not dead. And I'm not, I'm not going to say that you're not going to be, we're, we're not going to have fatalities. We have had fatalities with military type systems. That Shebel helicopter went into the G, GCS and the two engineers, uh, 
you know, lost their lives or whatever. And, and so there has been, and there's been some RC stuff in the past. Uh, yeah, the RC helicopters that decapitated that guy and all that, yeah. Yeah, well, he was flying 3D and too close, and, you know, he uh, he's no longer with us. But whatever, right. uh, you know, there's, there hasn't been, like, a collection of data like this. So, you know, a few other things that we can glean from this picture is, one, you know, that drones appear safer than manned aviation. We, I think we've established that beyond any reasonable doubt. Um, and then I'm going to play the AOPA devil's advocate and say, because you remember back in this 2005 when they testified to Congress and, and they said, oh, my God, these are CAPA guys, this Remote Control Aerial Photography Association, which is a couple of <laughs> people on this uh, call were board members advocate for the commercial use of unmanned aircraft systems. And this guy is falling. And something's got to be done. And we need an equivalent level of safety. And uh, FAA's got to do something today. You recall all of this, do you not? I, I think I we, were at a, we were at a, um, I, I know that I was on a standards call when this testifying to Congress was going on. And um, no one even mentioned it until it was all over. And then I guess this Jay Mealy guy from AMA was, was there. He testified also. And they gave him a good grilling. And AMA was like, oh, we don't even want to deal with this. We don't want to talk about uh, RC aircraft. We don't, we're out of here. You know, it, it, it was a, uh, what I would call a uh, unmitigated poop show that I was unaware of was going on, which I thought was, uh, was not fair at all. They threw us right under the bus, and we didn't even have a chance to uh, talk about uh, third-party liability insurance or anything else that we were doing, the training and, and whatever else. But what, it didn't matter. FAA, they told FAA, you've got to shut this down today. And, uh, you know, we were like, oh, okay, well, um, what, what do you need from us? And they said, you need data. What data do you need? Gene, what data do they need? They did not know. Okay. So they did. They couldn't. Uh, they did not know what. Because I asked them, as you recall, I'm a data geek, IT for 20 years. I said, let me know, and we offered them data, a data uh, schema. And they said, oh, well, we don't know. We haven't figured that out yet. I remember that very well. Uh, right. And uh, I'm sorry, the, the guest just uh, showed up, but uh, we're, we're on a totally different uh, track right now, so I don't know if we can. <laughs> and I, I don't even want to be a part of this because this is this is uh, this is straight down to Chinatown, and a lot of people are going to uh, react, especially the statements that I'm going to make here now. So AOPA. I believe, you know, in retrospect, that part of what they were saying to the FAA is, is you want us to adopt this ADSB. There's really no safety. Um, we don't see any uh, safety coming out of this. There's really nothing there for us. I mean, later on, the FAA came back and added weather to it and said, see, there's a value. And they're like, eh, we don't really see a value. They didn't want to install it. They didn't want to install certified uh, equipment that was going to be very expensive. All this. They were fighting that. And FAA was, of course, telling them it was, it was all because safety of the NAS. They pointed to us. 
They said something has got to be done. If you want to talk about safety, you got to do something here, and you got to shut us down. And we've talked about this many times. So we got shut down, right? You remember that February 13, 2007 came out, can't do this anymore. Remember? You remember that, Gene? Okay, Gene's probably taking out the trash. Very, very, no, very, very, I'm sorry, I was on mute. I, I said February 13th at the same time you did, 2007, and also we were told that, uh, guys, don't get excited. Six, eight months down the road, tops, she'll be in the air. Exactly, and it was it was nine years, right? Not only was it nine years, you know, um, it facilitated a uh, monopoly, by a hardware monopoly by the Chinese, you know, some people say, oh, that Egan guy is so negative about the Chinese. They did exactly – I mean, they were like, hey, thanks, um, you know, and, and they just did what they should have done, and, they, and they, you know, the rest is history on that. They did. However, um, you know, then we got this mishmash of regulations, you know, that were kind of restrictive, and we have the waivers and all the rest of that, that that's built a cottage industry, and the people that are really making money in drones are the people doing the waivers. And I'm, i got to tell you right now, if you, the uh, FAA 107 waivers are basically FAA favors, and that's all there is to it, because I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I, I want to witness an audit of some of these beyond visual line of sight waivers, some of the ag waivers, some of the other stuff. I would love to go with the FAA go out into the field and I want to audit these and I want to, I want to see that everyone's flying to the letter of the waiver, which is just not happening. So, but I do it, you know, cause I'm, I'm, uh, I'm like that. I like to, you know, I like to verify, you know, give things the sniff test. So I don't think that's going to, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So the, the, this whole deal is just window dressing as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, I talked about that what the AOPA wanted. I, I'm kind of of the, uh, the mindset. They wanted an equivalent level of safety. They kept yelling about that. We want an equivalent level of safety. Um, the FAA said, you know, I looked at this and, you know, well, you're going to have to, we're going to need data to prove that you're safe. And so basically for nine years, this equivalent level of safety, uh, the droners were left to prove a negative with no legal way to fly except for a COA or, you know, this, this 333, which wasn't really available to everyone. It was very difficult. And all of it was predicated upon commercial flight, which was an exchange of $1 or in-kind services. You remember that, Gene? I do remember it well. And one of the things that really kind of, uh, you know, again, memory lane, man, Jesus, I hate this street. But uh, one of the things that they told us is if $1 changes hands, it's a commercial flight. And I even brought up during the arc that I wanted to open Patrick's flight school and fly drones and all the rest. They told me I couldn't do it because it was commercial. And I said, really? So all of the people like LSA, which we were told this was such a success story and yada, yada, yada with the F-35 and Earl Lawrence was cheerleading and telling us how great it was going to save aviation and these LSA aircraft are going to be $50,000, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, you know, it just came out that, uh, you know, AOPA and the rest of the uh, flying community has been fighting the FAA on the flight training for LSA and saying it's not commercial. Uh, flight training has never been commercial. 
But the droners couldn't even do flight training. and We couldn't even use that as an avenue to collect data. So they really pigeonholed us, pushed us in a corner, and basically told us to go pound sand for nine years. No data, nothing to back up their assertions. People had been flying. This is another, you know, uh, this, is, this is one of the things with the advocates that really chaps my eye. As these clowns come out of the woodwork, I went down to Best Buy three months ago, and I bought a DJI Phantom, and I'm a drone expert. I'm a policy expert. I'm an aviation expert. I'm, you know, a privacy expert. I mean, the, the list just goes on. They're experts about everything after spending $1,500. And, and, you know, I don't want to deride them, but uh, so many of these jackasses have come and gone and you know, well, I talked to so-and-so at the FAA, and they told me common sense was going to prevail. And, and we're going to go back and ask you. You've been uh, doing this uh, GA aviation thing for a while. Uh, Gene, common sense? Plethora? Well, I mean, you know, all you got to do really is look at YouTube, uh, especially exactly. in the early days. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. Common sense has escaped some people. For sure. Oh, I, I, <laughs> you've got a venue to go and, and post videos of you doing um, some really crazy stuff. So, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. I, and, and it's not just droners. It was that guy with the plane. He crashed the plane. Did you see that video just lately? Well, yeah, and people tying, you know, a bunch of helium balloons to a lawn chair. You know? Yeah, you. I just... I, that's funny, as I put that in my article, Lawn Chair Larry. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, I had I like do, a sandwich and a soda pop and a pellet gun. That's it. He had skin in the game, you know? So, <laughs> I don't think you know. he realized how much skin. <laughs> well, you know, um, well, that's, you know, we could talk about human nature later, but... <clears throat> Yeah. So my, my thing with it is, as I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm not even going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to play AOPA's advocate and say, FAA, you need to shut this down in the name of safety, safety of the NAS. Going to have to shut this GA thing down until they can come down to an equivalent level of safety, which is 0, 0.0 uh, fatalities per 100,000 hours. It's only fair, right? I mean, they took the advice of HAI and AOPA, said that. Well, okay, guess that's what we're going to have to do. And I want to—I'd like to—I uh, mean, I doubt it'll happen, but put GA in that no, same prove the negative won't. for a decade. Um, you know, I mean, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. You know, if, if it's about safety of the NAS and you you can make those arbitrary judgments, you know, what's the deal here? And in lieu of that, I might say, okay, well, hmm, um, you know, if you're not willing to, uh, you know, ensure the safety of the NAS in, in this category, we may have to loosen the reins over here in this category to, to be on par. Maybe that's possible. Well, you see, that whole equivalent level of safety thing is a very significant furball when you talk about the downstream stuff. If you were to apply the drone situation at 0, 0.0 and we don't have any traceable certificate replacement parts, we have no qualified, certified airframe and power plant personnel or inspection stuff, if 
that were the case, and it would trickle down through GA, which would put a bunch of A&P and IAs out of, uh, out of a job because, you know, guess what? You don't need it anymore because the equivalent level of safety for drones is they don't do that. Well, I mean, I'm not saying there's not going to be uh, downstream or upstream or around the stream or down the brook, whatever, uh, ramifications for such a harsh action, but uh, that really wasn't even a consideration for the uh, the droners. <laughs> no, it was not. But if and, you have a 0.0 uh, without having all that in place, where does that put you? If you, if you had all that in place, if they really did do the dec- – draconian, you know, full inspection certification type of thing for a drone. And you've already got 0.0. Are you going to start giving birth to new pilots, you know, because, you know, immaculate conception, and I shouldn't have said that, but, you know, they just suddenly start appearing out of thin air because, you know, you're you're so safe with drones that uh, they generate safe pilots, right? Well, you know, I, I think in this case, really, uh, what it is is the um, size kinetic energy thing. I mean, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, you start uh, doing unmanned aircraft that are even the 55-pounders at 100 miles an hour. And, you know, everybody could go buy one of those at Best Buy. Uh, this safety record would, I'm, I'm going to say, uh, plummet uh, because people would be getting... Uh, injured and and probably uh, fatal injuries. So I, I think really, I mean, I'm being a little bit this, a li- and I don't want to say it's tongue in cheek, but I am I'm 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 actually trying to flip the script on AOPA, HAI, and ALPA, which even at the end of the arc, they all realized, and that's why we I had that under four pound exemption that we did the arc APA thing, the under four pound exemption that came out of the arc that we submitted to the FAA, all right? Um, they even started to say, hey, you know what, let's work with them, this, is, this makes sense. And they even did say, well, I think we, we, you know, we might've uh, overreacted or clamped down or was a little unjustified. But to be fair to them, they saw the military systems as what everybody would be flying. And the DOD vendors did try to craft all of the boxes and whatever else to fit the product line, which the FAA said they weren't going to do, but it was exactly what they were going to do. And even the, let's say, the the Raven first bin was 4.4 pounds, which is two kilos. Um, Even that was a little unacceptable because... The um, Raven, I think, had had Kevlar um, coatings in their in, in their wings, and you know the the fellow from HAI was a uh, Vietnam War veteran helicopter pilot, and you know he thought Kevlar, and he's thinking bulletproof, and if that went into a tail rotor, um, to be catastrophic. Okay, so I, I have to be fair and give a little bit of you know, background information on that. Because I think uh, it would be, uh, you know, a little bit of a... So if I didn't add that, I, I wouldn't be telling the whole story or, or, or trying to be objective. So when you take all of those things into consideration, you can see where people are, are like, hmm, kind of concerned. I mean, you know, as a, uh, as a manned aviator, Gene, you know, if you saw a uh, scan eagle come up into your windscreen, but that... <clears throat> Ca- 
cause uh, consternation for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be a cause for pause, for sure. There's a <laughs> – that would uh, – that would probably cause that cause what we call a yanking bank. Yeah, among other things, you know, um, and, and and rightfully so, you know. So I understand that. So there was, was definitely uh, misunderstandings and and things like that. And really, uh, a lot of that didn't, let's say, come to light until almost the end of the arc. Um, after uh, I did my uh, demo with the Cracker Barrel, which was a slow stick. And I, I want to say even with the camera, that thing weighed pound and a half, foam, uh, a little spruce, 10, 10 millimeter by 10 millimeter by one meter stick. Um, they were like, oh, even the FAA. Uh, I remember, you know, they were talking about cert, uh, registration, and I wrote, you know, end number here on the side of the stick, which is 10 millimeters high, one centimeter. Um <laughs> they were like, uh-oh, we might have, uh, and I know this is usually a family show, but I'm going to quote, we might have fucked up on this one. And that's what the aircraft uh, certification people were saying. So, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't know. The other thing that kind of disappointed me on that was the air traffic organization did not, I couldn't fly at Edwards Air Force Base, and I probably told this story before. It was it really, um, that one really, it was disappointing. You know, I wanted to fly, to, you know, here I am flying the Cracker Barrel at Edwards Air Force Base. I did fill out all the paperwork on the airframe, and I had to fill out all of the paperwork on the uh, radio freaks and all the rest of that. Uh, they don't just let you fly out on the lake bed willy-nilly. You know, you, you have to describe the aircraft and the airframe and, you know, flight envelope parameters and all of that. But here I am, you know, I've got the, uh, I've got like the, the Chuck Yeager uh, gleam in my eye. Chuck likes beer. I like beer, you know. Chuck's floated Edwards. I'm going to be able to say I floated Edwards. <laughs> but no, they, there was a freak, frequency uh, concern and, uh, I was not allowed to fly at Edwards, and I had to fly at an AMA field. The air traffic organization representatives did not come out to the um, the uh, RC field to witness a commercial flight, which I had to get a waiver from AMA, the board, to fly my commercial system at the RC field. Oh, I mean, it was really, uh, it got to be uh, beyond comical. It was ludicrous. But anyway, um, all of that aside, you know, here I spent all this money to do this demo for these people, and they were not interested in coming to a hobby field to see the hobby aircraft fly. So it, it were missteps like this what I think really cost us. But bottom line is, is I, I'm really uh, at the point that, you know, you, you let a LSA train, they charge the dollar for the, the uh, training and, and, te and um, flight training and whatnot. We were shut down on that. We were not extended the same courtesies. You know, people say drones are new, but prior to 2007, and I know we've talked about this so many times on this program, that there were a lot of people flying around. Um, people talk about capabilities. There were no autopilots. There was no FPV. There was no, which is all just uh, horse crap. Because, and Eugene, I'm going to let you uh, talk a little bit about that because people, you know, I think they think I'm, I might be, uh, I'd say, overstating yeah. things. 
No, 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 no. I, I personally know of, of several people that were making easily six figures on systems that we would uh, we would call suspect even you know back then, uh, but uh, especially today. And uh, that was that was common. I mean, we we heard so much about the the, the rogue operator out there, and uh, there was a lot of money made. I know that. Except for us, were you know, abiding by the rules. Yeah, the people that abided by the rules uh, really, uh, you know, in, in uh, hindsight, again, you know, flying down memory lane here at, you know, well, on Telegraph on. Road, uh, <laughs> we're stupid. You were a fool, and you're still a fool. Um, it, again, go back to the YouTube model and look at what's going on there. You know, there is that argument that, oh, you know, well, the regulations are working. Golly, uh, sorry. You go to YouTube or any other Vimeo or you know wherever else, and you look at what's going on out there, and that is totally invalidates that notion. So, okay, you know, and I, again, down memory lane, you know, remember that we've had two transatlantic flights, and one of them was 1998. Tad McGear and uh, Andy Bonfloto flew an Aeroson. So, you know. That, that was done in 1998. Same deal, they had an autopilot, GPS, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Maynard Hill did it a few years later, and that was a total RC aircraft. Um, there were also, there was the Pico pilot. Um, ProSirius was working on, you know, stuff. Uh, I, I remember, you know, the do-it-yourself drones community kind of came in and tried to say, there are no autopilots, which just wasn't true. They just tried to shut those people down so they could pretend that they were on the cutting edge of this technology. But uh, there were people flying FPV. I mean, I was on RC groups. I, that's where we met. And there was one guy, I, you may remember this guy. Remember he had the van and he put like the, he had the recliner in the van and the big screen TV and he would fly, this guy would fly out 45, 50 kilometers, you know, with, with, with his uh, aircraft. Do you remember that? Taking out the trash again, Gene? No, I keep forgetting I put it on mute. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember because he had a mast and everything in there. It was a pretty good setup, and quite frankly, it inspired me to do some similar things, and I've got, I've got that now. Well, you know, and, and so this was all going on, and uh, people were making money. Do you remember the swiper when you were talking about dubious aircraft? Remember, remember the swiper? It was a military system. The guy was selling uh, these systems to Special Operations Command. And uh, it was it was an ARF kit that was called the Wing Dragon. And uh, it was like a $99 kit. And he was, uh, I remember even commenting, I go, do you uh, rattle cannon these air superiority gray yourself? Or did you work out to deal with the factory in China to make them gray? Which, of course, pissed the guy off. I have a way of doing that. I don't know. You know, some, some people think I'm abrasive. I don't know. I, I'm just asking questions. You know, but anyway, so he had this swiper, and uh, he, he was, guy was charging tens of thousands of dollars to, uh, to Special Operations Command for this. And, you know, he put a camera in it or whatever. It was, you know, it's feedback or whatever. Anyway, I think he got brought up on charges of fraud eventually. Uh, somebody must have popped into a hobby shop. 
But besides all of that, you had the Galaxy Blimp guys were doing, you know, stuff for uh, ESPN and they were HD broadcasting, all the rest of this stuff that everyone likes to say, oh, gosh, this is new and drones were good and golly gee willikers, we can do this. That was all going on prior to 2007. And the one other point that I did want to make about that when you were saying people were making a lot of money on that, when things became illegal, and this is the first time I came up with the little aphorism about uh, too much drone in your uh, life can make your marriage become unmanned. And it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but uh, a lot of people invested a lot of money, and I'm sure you know uh, you remember that, and I remember that, and we invested uh, a lot of money into this thing, and uh, one day it just became illegal. Do, do you remember any any insights on that, Gene? And and all of that equipment that we bought suddenly became worthless. Exactly, uh, and and not only did it become worthless, and us thinking, okay, well, this is gonna they're gonna flick the switch and it's gonna come back on. It was getting stale on the shelf, becoming obsolete. Even the sixty to ninety days we were gonna wait for them to turn the switch on, but the nine years. Uh, you know, what, what did you have on the shelf? Well, if, if you'll recall, um, you know, being the entrepreneur that I am, in 2004, I had started manufacturing my own drone and right. uh, using some pretty sophisticated guidance systems as well on that. And, uh, you know, when, when, the, when the great clarification came on February 13th, and, and uh, I had a stack of orders, literally a stack of orders. And uh, as soon as that happened, my business became irrelevant, and I tried to hang on for as long as I could. I tried to, to keep it alive until, you know, I, I kept it alive until 2015, thinking that we would get some common sense. And then finally, after I depleted my entire life savings and, uh, you know, sold everything that, you know, I thought was fun to, to keep the business open, I finally had to call it quits. So, yeah, I... I yeah, I, I know exactly what the uh, economic ramifications were of that. Yes, and, uh, you know, I, I fielded calls from uh, members and non-members alike, our CAPA, um, and people were telling me the same story. I quit my job. I had invested my I, – I cashed in my retirement. I invested in this business. And people were doing some pretty amazing stuff working with police departments. People think now like the drones and the police thing is an all new thing, you know. 2008, you know, the uh we had uh, Sacramento PD was was at a drone program. Uh LA County Sheriff's Department had a had a, you know, light drone program going. Um people were using these for um, you know, movie, television, commercials, agriculture, broadcast uh, you name it, sky's the limit. Monitoring volcanoes, that's another one that goes way back. A buddy of mine over at NASA, Jeff Bland, they were uh, flying over volcanoes with, you know, 25 years ago probably. You know, um, it, this is not new under the sun. Most of those people dropped out. The other thing I want to mention about that is, and, and you probably recall this, that uh, the 2007 thing, most of the manned aviators, the people that were really the drivers behind the culture of safety, took one step back. I'm out. 
I do not want to um, jeopardize my airman certificate over this, so I'm out. So, and you remember that, I'm sure. Are you on mute again, Gene? Of course I am. Uh, I, I have a situation that's developing in the background here that uh, I'll have to tell you about later. But um, yeah, it was on. It's, uh, it's kind of I'm multitasking here. But yeah, I, I have my manned aviation as well, uh, and I, I worry about that. And you know, it, it could have easily gotten gone, easily. Right, and and so people uh, understandably took one step back. I understand that. But what that did, the ramifications of that was is that that culture of safety that the FAA is trying to build now was there. And, uh, I mean, it just the bottom fell right out of it. So they're playing an uphill game. I don't think they'll ever reach that again. They destroyed that. One other point you did make there was the two, 2015 thing, and people, you know, when you bring this up, they're like, what? Uh, FAA reauthorization 2012 uh, stated that the FAA would fully integrate drones into the NAS by September 15, 2015. Did not materialize. We didn't even get 107 by then, you know. Um, and it still hasn't happened now. And again, without data or anything else, they just said, you know, well, we just, ATO is not going to be ready. This is the same ATO that did not come to see the demo of the commercial drone system when they had an opportunity in early 2009. Okay? So that's what you're dealing with. And people keep telling you got to learn how to, you know, be nice to the FAA. I, I cannot... It infuriates me. It's like, how? why would I be nice to this level of malpractice? I, I, well, am I supposed to pat them on the back and go, golly, you, know, you did a good job. You used all of the money and the uh, resources that, you're, that were available to you, and, uh, you know, you rebuilt the uh, American aerospace industry, you know, and you did all of this, and here it is, and none of that happened. It's destroyed. I know that in my article that I'm working on for the, the business journal again, you know, the FAA, their charge, when, when the Civil Aviation Authority thing was, was chartered in the beginning, it was part of the Commerce Department, and part of the charter was to promote aviation and aerospace. When that split off and they, they made the FAA, that was no longer a part of their charge. And maybe, you know, in the late 50s, early 60s, that made sense because the aviation uh, or aerospace industry in the United States was robusto. You probably, you remember the Century Series of Jets. You're an Air Force guy. It was probably a little before your time, but I'm sure you, you, you remember those aircraft. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the list of manufacturers that were, you know, uh, North American, McConnell Douglas, you know, uh, it just it just goes on. There's just like a, there's a plethora. So at the time, that probably made sense. You know, well, we don't need to promote aviation because you really couldn't swing a cat, you know, in California and not hit, you know, some aerospace company that was building aircraft or missiles or rockets or I mean, it even kicked off the uh, personal computer. Uh, I don't think people realize that without. Steve Jobs' dad, or not Steve Jobs, uh, the other guy, Wozniak's dad, 
worked for uh, you know a, a weapons contractor that made missiles, and they got the, the the transistors and parts and pieces were factory blems from these missile projects. Without that, the homebrew uh, you know PC club would never have happened. Um, but that's not the case anymore. That industry is pretty much gone. And you know, is it a result uh, of the uh, FAA not promoting aviation, or is it ham-fisted regulation, coinky dinky do unions? That's what the UK attributes uh, the loss of their uh, aviation industry or consolidation and, and downsizing was basically uh, the unions came in and wanted more money. What do you think, Gene? All right. I guess you're de- dealing with the situation that's there, that's developing. Anyway, uh, just some stuff to ponder. And uh, I would suggest uh, to people that, um, and I'm, I'm going to try and ferret out some more of this information from DJI and see if they'll respond. They usually don't. Over the years, they, they don't really respond to questions or whatever else. I, I don't know what the problem is there. But uh, I'd like to, you know, dig a little deeper on this in, to intel or information or data or whatever you want to call it, see what else they have. Um, it would be nice to break this down into hours since that's how the uh, civil aviation authorities, let's say, uh, make up their numbers. So I'd like to do that. And uh, I, I think that we can, if nothing else, um, you know, come up with, with with some suggestions on how the FAA may want to collect data uh, on manned aviation in the future. And people are, you know, been clamoring for our ID, and our ID is going to allow us to do all of this stuff and collect the data and know where everyone is. And I'm also going AOPA on that one. And I'm not for our ID, even with the, uh, you know, even if we compartmentalize things and take away the uh, privacy concerns of being monitored in my house without a warrant. Take that out. You want to tell me that you're willing to give us something in return, like beyond visual line of sight in all classes of airspace, including uh, Bravo? I'll talk. I'm, I'm willing to entertain that. Until that time, I don't know what to tell you with that unless you go put that on GA aircraft first, and then we'll talk. Besides that, have a nice day. Uh, the flight envelope is too limited. And the other thing that I I think that we should uh, do on this is this should really be, let's say, the the jumping off point for the drone industry, not only domestically here in the United States and the RC community to say, no mas, that you're you're done. We're not taking this crap anymore. And if we had some advocacy, uh, people would put some money together. This would be something that we could also use in a report, take people in Congress and say, this is crazy. These people over there in Washington, I don't know what's in the water. I don't know what's going on. But, you know, we got knee-jerked and shut down for no reason, no data, uh, no explanation besides, well, we just think or, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's kick off this new aviation uh, revolution domestically. Every country, you know, that, that, I think that that's something I've said for a long time, that this is not limited to countries that are, let's say, legacy aviation uh, countries. It's available to other countries around the world, and we're starting to see that. Um, countries like Turkey, Iran, of course, China, most people discounted that and said none of this would happen in these uh, other countries. There's also, you know, South America, 
other places that are uh, domestic or producing these 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 aircraft domestically. Um, you know, let's get on board with the drone train and start realizing the benefits, be better stewards of our planet. You know, everybody talks about climate change. You can help with that. Food security, water security, we know what they can do. It's time to uh, get real on the data here and, and uh, kind of roll back the draconian regulation. And at that, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to assume that Gene has fallen off uh, with his situation. Again, uh, people know where to get a hold of me. You can always, uh, you know, find go on the SAS News uh, webpage, email me, any of the social media sites, whatever else. I'm interested to hear what you think about this, and maybe I'm missing something. I'm interested to hear that, too. Somebody's got some ideas, wants to move forward. Someone wants to put up some money, you know, to, so we can put together some sort of, uh, you know, report or data or do some testing or something like that that we could bring to Congress and say, you know, somebody uh, over there at the FAA missed the boat, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm open to hearing all ideas. Or you can even tell me I'm uh, full of stuff. You won't be the first person, whatever. I'm open to hearing that too. So anyway, until next time, we'll have to reschedule on the original title of this uh, show. But uh, until next time, keep it safe. See you then.